1: All right, if you will, take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2 and verse number 52. I'm going to continue these series that I've been preaching, talking about balancing uh, or the balanced life. In Luke chapter 2 and verse number 52, this is our key passage of Scripture. And it says this, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this time we have to come together as a church family and to worship you in spirit and in truth. And God right now we we need you. We need you to speak to our hearts and to illuminate the word of God that you would give us divine spiritual insight. That only comes from you. I pray dear God that you would speak to our hearts and grow us in our spiritual life. Help us to become who you'd have us to be in, in Christ Jesus. And Father if there's one here today that does not know you as their Lord and as their Savior. Maybe their spiritual life they're cold and indifferent towards you. God I just pray today that you would just bring redemption. Bring salvation. Bring salvation. To that individual needs to call upon the name of the Lord today. I pray for that Christian that may be wayward and struggling in their spiritual walk with you. God, that today you would bring that prodigal home. That you would restore them into a right fellowship with you. And Father, we ask your blessings on the preaching and the reading of your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 is one of my favorite verses in in all of the Bible. Matter of fact, I think this is a, one of those foundational passages of scripture that we really all can build our life around. You see, I like to, I like to study scripture and look for those key verses that are just very pivotal, very foundational verses for all of our life. I think if we can get a hold of Luke chapter 2 and verse number 52 and start implementing this passage of Scripture in our life, it will make us a healthier, more balanced Christian individual and person. Look what it says. It says, and Jesus increased in what? Wisdom. That's the intellectual side. If you remember a couple weeks ago, I spoke about our minds and how we must guard our mind. We must guard what we think on and guard what we feed our mind if we're going to increase and have this healthy, balance. Intellectually, but then also it says that Jesus not only increased in wisdom, but he increased in what stature that's physically now here. Jesus, we find, I believe, is a perfect picture of balanced humanity. You say, yeah, but he was God. Yes, he was 100% God, but at the same time, he was 100% man, just like we are. As a matter of fact, he was tempted, just like we are tempted, yet he was without sin. He is the sinless Son of God. But here we see that he increased in wisdom intellectually. He increased in stature physically. And last week I preached about how we need to be good stewards of our body. But then it says that he grew in favor with God. I believe Jesus also had a tremendous spiritual balance in his life you see i think as a as a believer and a christian i think of course the the spiritual part is the most important part i understand that but stu- the the principle of stewardship comes into play even with all these other areas i think for us to be a healthy balanced believer a healthy balanced church a healthy balanced family then we must pay attention to these four areas ...of our life. And we all live at one point or another in all four of these areas. We already talked about the mind. We already talked about the body. Today I want to talk to you about balancing your spiritual life. And then next week I'm going to talk to you about balancing your social life. Or how God, how he was in favor with people. And I want to talk to you a little bit about your social life. But today I want to kind of park, just briefly... There's a whole series of messages that can be preached off each one of these, so I'm just going to give you a, a panoramic view, just a just an overview, kind of a survey view of the spiritual life. Now, let me start with saying this. If we're going to balance our spiritual life, that starts with a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. Right? Hello? Y'all with me this morning? in order for us to have balance in our spiritual life, then we must, first of all, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, the Bible teaches that we must be born again. Not simply just be a church member. Not simply just have good church attendance. Not simply just to tithe. Not simply just to be baptized. Not simply just to take and partake of communion. The Bible says... We must be born again. And guys, that has not changed. A lot of methods in the church today have changed, and rightly so. A lot of methods that were used in the 50s and the 60s are not relevant in the 21st century, so we've got to be cognizant of that. We must realize that some methods are going to change, but the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ will never, ever change. We still must realize there is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to shine, the price was paid on Calvary, Jesus died for the sins of the world. He shed his blood. He was buried, placed in the tomb, came out victoriously the third day, ascended to the right hand of God the Father. There is making intercession for you and I. And what we need to do now is repent and be born again. That's where the spiritual life begins. Somebody, else say, Amen. That's good preaching right there. Hello, that's good stuff. I mean, that is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you know I've. I've, I've I'm, I'm moving into a, an area that I'm really enjoying in my life right now, and it's photography. And um, I mainly bought this camera so that when we go to San Antonio, Texas, I knew that she would, Kristen would be a long ways away in that whole graduation ceremony. And so I told Debbie, I said, taking pictures on our iPhone is not going to work when we get to San Antonio. And I want good pictures at graduation. So we kind of invested in a good camera. Wow. I did not realize there were so many different ins and outs with photography. So I'm kind of learning all of that. So I'm out practicing yesterday. And I go over to the Lady of the Shrine, Lady Snow of the Shrine, so I can't even pronounce really what it is. The Shrine, you guys know what I'm talking about? Over in Belleville. I go over there because I just need some subjects. I need somebody. Debbie had to work. As soon as we got home yesterday, she had to go into work. Worked till midnight last night, so she was gone. And Then Tyler had to, had to go into work. And, and so I'm just there. I thought, well, I'm going out and just practicing photography so i went out and then i'm taking all these shots everywhere and i'm finding these statues and i'm pretending they're people and i'm kind of you know taking pictures of them and then i for those in the photography world cynthia i got some beautiful bokeh shots you, you're gonna love those I'll, I'll explain all that later but i'm out there and i'm taking these these shots and then i'm just enjoying it. i'm having a good time and the next thing i know after walking around and driving around next thing i know i'm at this building well i really don't even know what this building is but I'm at this building and then I see all these people coming into this building and I'm like, what's going on there? Of course, I'm dressed and I have my jacket on. I have my toboggan on. You know, I think some of you guys call it a sock hat. We call it a toboggan from the south. And I have that on and I'm out taking pictures and, and I'm, I'm kind of walking around. I'm, I'm curious. What is that? And I look and it's the church. It's they're having mass and they're they're going in there. And I thought, hmm. I'm going to go in there. So I pull my toboggan off, and I stick it in my pocket, and I have my camera strapped around me, and I kind of put it to the back, and I go in there, and, and I sit down. And I, I'm that's really, I guess it's really the, the first official mass service that I ever really went to. Seriously. I mean, I, I've been there for funerals and for different things, but kind of the first one where I just kind of sat there. Now, I noticed that everybody knew exactly what to do, except me. I didn't have a clue what I was doing in there. And I'm kind of looking at everybody, but something I noticed, nobody really talked to anybody. Everybody walked in, sat in their pew and did their own thing, and there was no real fellowship. There was no, you know, here at Victory Church, good night, you saw how much trouble I had getting you guys to sit down so I could preach to you. I mean, they don't have that trouble there. They kind of here, sat down, boom, nobody talking to anybody. Oh, I, I, to me, it felt a little cold. I'm thinking, wow. And so I'm sitting there watching. But then I get, I hear the the, uh, the pastor preach, and he gets up to preach. And they're moving into Lent, which I'll be honest with you. you got to realize I'm from western North Carolina. The Catholic churches in our community are about the size of a, a small, small house. I mean, there's really no Catholics in our community. There's Baptist churches on every corner. I mean, there's first Baptist church, and they couldn't get along, so they started second Baptist church, and they couldn't get along. Then they started third Baptist church. I promise you, there's a first and a second and a third Baptist church in one town. And then there was a victory church, and they couldn't get along, so they broke off, and they started, and guess what they named their church? Harmony. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm telling you the truth, okay? So, I mean, there's Baptist churches everywhere. So I, that's what I grew up in. I never have ever, ever, ever been around Catholics my whole life. Matter of fact, I went to Bible College in West North Carolina, in Asheville, North Carolina, Trinity Baptist Bible College. I was there in Bible College. Dr. Ralph Sexton uh, Sr. and Jr. are the the chancellors of the college. And, and so I'm there, and I remember having a class on Catholicism. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'll never use this. I'll never be around a Catholic community, there's nothing. So I kind of just coasted through that class and just kind of passed it, didn't really, you know, just studied enough and memorized enough to pass the test so I could get through it, but didn't really kind of live in it, so I really, really know it. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So I, I kind of did that and got through that, and I guess God has a sense of humor in here. He plants me in this very strong Catholic community. And so I'm there, and I go in there, and I'm listening, and I'm trying to figure out what all is going on, but I hear him say something about Lent, and I promise you, I never really knew anything about Lent until I moved here. I promise you. In 1999, I was introduced to Lent and to Ash Wednesday. I didn't know about any of those, and I got a, you know some stories about that, and I didn't know anything about that. And so I go in there and I hear him talking about Lent. But, but one thing, now he really preached the, really a, a good message. He was preaching the gospel, and he really did a good job with the gospel of Jesus Christ and really really unpacked uh, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus in a, in a very good way. But I guess here's where I kind of differed with him a little bit. He started talking about all the things and the sacrifices that we make to work on our spiritual life and all these things that we do. ...to gain favor... ...with things that we're going to put away... ...things that we're going to stop doing... ...and really preached a real strong message about that... ...and I got to thinking... ...you know what... ...I could do a whole lot of things... ...and I cannot do a whole lot of things... ...and still not be in a right standing with God... ...because it has everything to do... ...not with what I do or don't do... ...it has everything with what to do with what He did... ...on the cross... ...where He died there on the cross... ...His blood was shed for the remission of sin... And by me accepting Him as my Savior and repenting of my sin, that's how I'm restored into a right fellowship and relationship with Him. So I guess what I'm wanting you to see is that the spiritual life begins with being born again and cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, are there some other things that we do in the Christian life? Sure. I believe we should grow in our faith to where we produce good works and where we have good fruit, and, and, and we should be able to see that. The, the fruit of the Spirit should be evident in our life. That's mentioned in, in Galatians. But we don't do all of those things. I'm trying to get you to see. We don't do all of those things to be in good favor with God or good standing with God. We do all those things because we are in good standing with God because of the blood that was shed on Calvary and trust in Him as our personal Savior. So I just want you to have a good understanding of where the spiritual life begins. Now, if we're going to be in favor with God, we, church, must be born again. Not simply be a good person. Not Stay away from some things or do some things. It's not a legalistic uh, salvation here. It's, it's really when we realize that Jesus did it all on Calvary. We repent. We're born again. We trust in Him as our personal Lord and Savior. That's where the spiritual life begins. That's where we get a good favor with God. Am I making myself clear? I know I've kind of talked all the way around that, but I want you to have a good understanding of that. Because there's a lot of people that do not have a good understanding of that. I mean, they're still trying to prove to themselves and everybody else, and even to God, how they can be in good favor with God by doing or not doing something. Listen, guys, it's not about what you do and don't do. Understand that. Hello? Hello? And I know in Christianity, and I know in Baptist churches, there's a lot of self-righteous Pharisees that walk around our churches. That say, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. to be No, it starts at the base level of realizing, hey, I'm a sinner. Right? And God, forgive me, and I'm pleading for your mercy and for your forgiveness. Right? And then we're clothed in the righteousness of Christ, not in our own good works. So, I said a whole lot right there that I didn't really intend on saying, but I want you to have a good idea of where the spiritual life begins. It doesn't begin when you're baptized doesn't begin when you become a church member. It doesn't begin simply by taking communion. It begins by being born again. Asking Christ to forgive you of your sins. And inviting him into your life to be your Lord and even to be your Savior. So we need spiritual balance. I love the passage in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. Jot this reference down. I think I have it on the screen for you. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11 through 15, the Bible says this. And he personally gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the training of the saints and the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. Now, here in Ephesians chapter 4, these are the gifts that God gives the church. Now, don't confuse these with spiritual gifts. There are spiritual gifts that he gives each and every believer. But in Ephesians 4, 11 and following, these are the gifts That God gives the local church. And look what it says in verse number 11. And he personally gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Okay? Those are gifts to the church. What is their purpose? What is the purpose of the pastor? It says in verse 12, for the training of the saints in the work of ministry to build up. The body of Christ. A lot of times churches have it wrong. A lot of times churches think, boy, we'll get a pastor and we'll pay him to do the work of the ministry. That is not what you pay a pastor to do. That is not the purpose of a pastor. The purpose of a pastor is not that I'll go out there and do all the ministry. My purpose, according to what the Bible says, is to train and teach and equip you to do the work of the ministry. Now, that doesn't mean I don't do anything. And I hope and pray you can see that I really try to lead by example. Matter of fact, I told Jose this past week, Iron Sharpens Irons needed some volunteers to work. And I said, Jose, go tell them that I'll volunteer and tell them that I want the dirtiest, nastiest job that nobody wants to do. If it's to clean the toilets when the thing is over, that's what I want to do. And he, really? That's what I want to do. Because I'll never ask you to do anything that I am not willing to do myself. It's called leading by example. And I hope and pray you can see that in my life over the years. I don't ask you to do. Now, there's some things that, that you'll do that I cannot be there because of other responsibilities and obligations. But listen, we've got to understand that the role of the pastor is to teach and equip and train the church for the work of the ministry. Now, if we don't agree with that, then you've got to take your scissors and cut Ephesians 4 and 11 through 15 out of your Bible. Because that's what it says. Now, how long are we to do that? Look what it says in verse 13 until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's son growing into a mature man with stature measured by Christ's fullness then we will no longer be children Tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into Him who is the head. What's the last word? Christ. Who is the head? Christ. You know what the ultimate goal is here for the church And the ultimate goal for every pastor and every teacher in the local church is that we train, we teach, we equip until we all grow into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until we all become spiritually mature. Now, I don't know of any single one person that I've ever met in my life that I feel is completely mature and they have no more room for growing. I've never met anyone like that. Now, I have met some people that think they're like that. But I've never personally met anyone like that. Listen guys, I don't care how long, you say, well I've been, I've been a Christian for 47 years. Well I say, praise the Lord. But how long you've been a Christian only tells me how long you've been on the road. It does not tell me how far you've traveled. How long? We all have growing to do in our spiritual life. And the Bible says that Jesus increased in favor with God. He increased spiritually. So, write this down in your notes. What is spiritual maturity? What is spiritual maturity? That's the question. The answer is becoming like Christ. That's the answer. Becoming like Christ. In our actions, get this, In our reactions. In the way we treat people. In the things we do. In the way that we love. Matter of fact, go over to the book of Galatians. You can read about the fruits of the Spirit. And see if those are evident in your life. And how they ought to abound more and more. And we should be like a fruit tree that's just groped with with the fruits of the Spirit. Just hanging off of us. But spiritual maturity is becoming like the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, real quickly, let me give you a couple of facts about spiritual maturity. Uh, throw all of them up on the screen here. Number one, it's not automatic. You see, spiritual maturity just doesn't automatically happen. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, in verse 12 through 13, it says, although by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. And not everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. Now, what what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, he's saying there's some of you, as he was writing the book of Hebrews, he's saying there's some of you that should should be on the meat of the word. There's some of you that should have grown spiritually by now, and you should be teaching others. He said, but there you are, still on the bottom. There you are, still on the mill. Now, they had been in the church a long time. So my point I want you to see is that spiritual maturity, it's not automatic. Just because you're a Christian, and just because you come to church, and just because you may get involved in small groups, and even just because you're in a ministry, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to grow spiritually. It is not automatic. Okay? I want you to see that. The second thing about spiritual maturity is that it is a process. To grow in our faith, to grow in spiritual maturity, to grow to where we become more like Christ in our actions, and our reactions, it, my friends, is a process. And I love the Dave Dave Ramsey teaching about financial peace. When he's talking about in order for you to get financial peace in his program, he'll, he'll tell you this. He says, and probably Nancy can tell you the rest of what I'm going to say. He'll tell you this is a crock pot, not a microwave. Okay? And some people want a microwave Christianity. Just give me two blocks to check and one or two steps and boom, I'm spiritually mature. It doesn't happen like that. It's a process that we place in our life. 2 Peter 3.18 says, but we are to grow in the grace and in the knowledge Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now I know people that grow in tremendous grace but they have very little knowledge. And then I know people that grow in knowledge but they have very little grace. The Bible says we're to grow in grace and in knowledge. I want you to see that it is a process. The third thing I want you to see is that it's a discipline. I mean it is simply a discipline that we put in our life. I mean, we've got to create time in our life that we can concentrate and focus on growing spiritually so that we're not a babe in Christ tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Have you ever wondered, and I hope I'm not going to get too long here today, but this is good stuff. Have you ever wondered how the occults grow? Very few times will they go out and get a brand new convert to join the occults. That are out there. Well how do they grow? They usually. Pay attention to. And hover over. The Christian church. And they look for those babes. In Christ. Because I believe this about the occults: Every occult that is out there. I believe. At the core. At the nucleus of that cult. Is a grain of truth. There is a grain of truth. There's got to be something that they entice you with to draw you to what they're going to believe in. And so there's a grain of truth out there. The problem is they've taken it and they've distorted it. They've misrepresented it and it's gone off on some tangent and we call them the occults today. But you know where they get most of their individuals that join their movement? Most of them are babes in Christ that sit in church year after year, Sunday after Sunday, year after year in church, and before long, boom, they're lost to the occult. Why? Because they're tossed about with every wind and wave of doctrine and every teaching that comes by. They jump in on it and jump here and there. Why? Because they're not rooted and grounded in the Word of God, and they are not growing spiritually. Some people will come to me and say, Pastor, what does so-and-so believe? And I'll say, well, I really don't know. Well, what does so-and-so believe? I really don't know. You see, I don't spend a lot of time studying the occults. I spend a lot of time studying the Word of God. Therefore, any doctrine that comes to me, there will be a red flag that will come up in my mind, in my heart, in my life, whenever I see that what they're saying does not truly line up with the Word of God. Guys, that's where we've got to get. So it's not automatic. It is a process, and it's going to take discipline. 1 Timothy 4 and 7 says, train yourself in godliness. Now, let me tell you that there's four habits about spiritual growth. And I'm not even going to unpack these. I just want you to see them. There's four habits in spiritual growth that I think we must develop in our life if we are going to grow spiritually. Now, habit number one is daily quiet time with God. Daily quiet time with God. Habit number two is prayer. Habit number three is tithing. Habit number four is true fellowship, and by that I mean koinonia, I mean sharing life together. If we're going to grow spiritually, then we must pay attention to these four areas. But I want to park on number one and try to share with you what I believe the importance of, why why it's important that we have our daily quiet time with God. Jot these down if you will, please, and I'll put them all up on the screen for you at one time here, I believe. I want you to see this. Here's why it's important that we have a daily quiet time with God. Number one, we were created to have fellowship with God. Every single one of us. Every single one of us were created. The Bible says in Revelation 3.20 that the Lord, the Bible says that Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open up his heart's door, I will come in and sup with him, and he with me. I mean, we were simply created to have fellowship with the Holy God. You think about Adam and Eve before the fall. The Bible says, think about this, if you will. The Bible says in the cool of the evening that God would come down and walk and spend time with Adam and with Eve. Think about the fellowship that they had. Guys, every single one of us were created to have that fellowship with God. But because of the fall, obviously, we've been separated. So that's why I believe that daily quiet time with God is essential so that we have, because we've been created. Secondly, Jesus died. He died to make a relationship with God possible. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 9 it says, God is faithful and you were called by him into fellowship through and by his son through the Lord Jesus Christ. A third reason why I think we ought to have daily quiet time with God is because personal time with God was Jesus' source of strength. You read numerous times, Mark one thirty-five, and other passages of Scripture, where it says that Jesus would oftentimes separate himself and go away from the crowd, go away from his disciples, just so he could have that daily, quiet time with God. So guys, if we're going to grow in our faith, if we're going to grow spiritually, we must have daily, quiet time with God. And then, of course, number four here is that every person who has ever been effective in service... For God developed this habit of a daily quiet time with God. Men like Abraham, men like uh, Moses, men like David, men like Paul. All through the Bible, you can see these were men that made a high priority of spending time with God. And then obviously, number five, I don't think you can be a healthy Christian without daily quiet time with the Lord. I just don't think you can be. And Matthew 4.4 4 says, but he answered, it is written, man must not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Guys, we must have that daily quiet time with the Lord. So I'm just unpacking habit number one for you. Actually, uh, class 201 is this Wednesday evening, and in that we'll unpack more and more. This is a precursor, if you will, to class 201. They're going to unpack a lot more about these habits that we need to establish in our life. But I want to deal with how to begin it. Let me share with you five ways real quickly that I think we can begin A daily quiet time with God. That's my goal in this message today. That you will leave here and you will establish and build into your life a daily quiet time with the Lord. And five things that we must do. Number one, we need to select a specific time. Every single day, you need to select a specific time that you can just be with the Lord. Now, however your schedule is, that's going to be between you and God. Personally, I almost think now there's two times really that work best for me. Either early in the morning or late in the evening is my best time to really just get alone with God. But you've got to decide for yourself. But we need to find a time. The Bible says in Mark one thirty five, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was dark, he got up and went out and made his way to a deserted place. And he was praying there, speaking about Jesus. So Jesus got up very early in the morning, Mark one thirty five, and went out to pray. But we must find that time in our life. The second thing Not only have us select a specific time, but choose a special place. You see, there's something, I don't know, there's something just holy and reverent if you can just return to that same place every day. It just builds routine into your life. And I think it will help you in your daily quiet time with the Lord. Now, you can have that anywhere, obviously. But there's something about a special place where you can just get along with God. One of Jesus' special places was out at the Mount of Olives. The Bible says in Luke 22 and 39 that he went out and made his way as usual, as usual, to the Mount of Olives. Oftentimes, you'll read that Jesus went there. And he went there to get along with God. We could just pray and talk to the Lord. Third thing we need to do is gather the resources that we need. I mean, just gather the resources, whether that be a, a Bible and a notebook and a songbook book or whatever. You may have all that on, a, on an iPad or a, a Kindle Fire or your iPhone and, or your laptop or whatever. Uh, it, it may just be the old conventional way of getting a leather-bound book and a notebook and a pencil uh, Whatever works for you But you must gather your resources as you go to this place Gather your resources that you'll need number four You must begin with the right attitude and I think this is important when you're getting into that daily quiet time with the lord Have the right attitude and what I mean by that first and foremost, there must be a spirit of reverence Listen, we are we are setting apart some time that we can meet with a holy god And we need to be reverent about it. The Bible says in Psalm 46 and 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. So have a spirit of reverence. Also, I like to go in there with a spirit of expectancy. Man, I'm just expecting to meet with God. Amen. I'm expecting to hear from him today. I'm expecting to fellowship and commune and worship and talk with God today. And Psalm 119 and 18 says, open my eyes so that I may contemplate wonderful things from your instruction. In other words, the psalmist was praying that as reading the word of God, that the Holy Spirit of God that lives within us, which, by the way, is the author of the book, would illuminate the passage so that we would have understanding of the word of God. We need to expect to meet with God. And then I think there needs to be obedience Because, you see, when you get along with God and you start talking with the Lord and fellowshipping with Him and communing with Him, He may say, you know what, here's what I want you to do. And we need to have a spirit of obedience. So right attitude is very important. And then number five, here's a simple plan for you. And all this can be done in about 15 minutes or so. You take as long or as little as you need, but here's your 15-minute little daily time with the Lord. Relax. Man, that's important. You can't rush this time. You can't just run in there and say, okay, God, show up, i got to go, and run out. you got to get in there at that time and relax. Hello? When I'm in my daily quiet time, my phone is off, with the exception of my daughter being in San Antonio right now, <laughs> but my phone is off. And if there's times, a lot of times, you may not be able to get a hold of me. There's often times through the day that I turn it off. When I'm in prayer, when I'm in Bible study, when I'm getting along with God, those Disturbances can hinder that and I think that's important So we've got to have that time to relax be still slow down prepare your heart and Then read a passage of scripture Reflect on a verse of scripture record what god has said and what he's doing in your life Then make your requests and your petitions known to the lord one of the greatest tools that we give you And this is free And just because it's free to you doesn't mean it doesn't cost this is very expensive literature But we think it's one of the wisest investments that we can make as a church To help you grow in your faith. This is a tremendous devotional study. Every single day. I would encourage you to open it up. Go with our D6 theme of the week. And Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. Thursday. Friday. There's a devotion in there. There's scripture to read. At the very beginning. So read that passage of scripture. There's a little devotional thought. To go along with it. And then there's a fact. Down at the bottom. That you want to try to implement. Into your life. This is one of the greatest devotional magazines. That we've ever supplied for you. Many people call me. Send emails. Pastor I need a good devotional magazine. What would you recommend? We give it to you free. You know what? You know how we could probably raise the value of this in your life. If we charged you for it. We really could. Sometimes when you give something away and it's free. You just no. Oh that's, that's just that free book. They give us no value. But if I charge you $10, $15 for this. You say man I paid $10, $15 for that. I better read it. Isn't it crazy how we think? You know I just spoke the truth right there didn't I? So next month, our new quarter starts in March. These will be 15, actually, let's do fourteen ninety nine, And we can set that up in three easy installments. Okay? No, they're going to be free. But it's still one of the greatest devotional magazines that you could ever read every single day. The cool thing about it is your kids are studying this together as a family whenever they come to church on Sunday. You're all studying the same thing every single week. Guys, we must put some disciplines in our life. You're not going to grow spiritually just because you come to church on Sunday. It's a good start. It's a good thing to do. But it's more than that. You must have some disciplines in your life. The Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom, intellectually, in stature, physically, in favor with God, spiritually. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Father, as we just commit this time of reflection to you today, I just pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts and to our lives. And Lord, if there's one here today that, that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, my prayer is that right now, right now, sitting in the stillness of this moment, that they would just simply pray a prayer like this. Dear God, I realize that I've sinned. And I realize that I am just separated from you. And right now, I believe That you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross. That you were buried. That you rose again. And right now I just want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. God, right now I repent. Pray, God, you forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. And then help me to grow in favor with you. Through my daily devotion every single day. Maybe you're here and you need to pray something like this if you've already accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you just need to pray something like this. Say, Dear God, my devotional life and my quiet time with you every day is really not where it should be. I get busy with the things of the world and even a lot of good things. But, God, I'm leaving left undone the most important thing, and that's meeting with you every day. And, God, today I make a commitment. That beginning today, I'm going to start with having a daily, quiet time with you. God, help me to exercise this discipline in my life. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can call, email, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109 in O'Fallon, Illinois. Or come check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.